Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Go box. Good morning, Bucknutters. Very early morning. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'll be joined by Matt Baxendale in just a moment. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, a lot of good news to talk about. Edric Houston is a Buckeye. We're going to get into that and much more about the Buckeyes in general. Before we do that, got to pay some bills. We'll let you guys know this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices. The path forward isn't always clear. We know mental health is very important. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Bucknuts today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bucknuts. Again, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. All right, let's get to football. Let's bring in my guy, Matt Baxendale. Bax, tell you what, man, they needed that Edric Houston commitment, and they got it. Five-star Edric Houston. They now have... Two five-star defensive linemen in this class, um, Larry Johnson and, and Jim Knowles. I guess you give him credit as well. They, they're just uh, loving uh, dealing with their haters right now. Tell you what, this whole site would have needed better help if we hadn't gotten him. So uh, <laughs> let's just say it's a big deal that Ohio State landed Edric Houston. And it's nice for once to see the normal path of recruiting that we're used to play out, right? How many of these guys have we assumed that and I almost don't want to say assumed we know in the past, had there not been NIL coming in late on a couple of these guys, they'd have been Buckeyes too. So it's nice to see one that everything lines up right. And it doesn't get spiked with the late NIL thing. So this is really big for Ohio state to land a guy, the caliber of Edric Houston. It's a five-star guy at a position where you can never have enough five-star guys. And it's a big deal. It's a really big deal that Ohio state landed this guy. And, at the end of the day, you know, you have to keep stacking these classes of elite players on the D-line so that way you have the depth that's necessary. And look at the class OSU has – or the, the guys who are going to be playing for OSU this year. There's a couple stacked classes. It's really important. you got to keep stacking these classes. So, Aldrich Houston is a gigantic pickup for Ohio State. And what have we been saying, Dave, for months now in, in, in recruiting, right? We love the quarterbacks. We love the wide receivers. It's great, but where's the beef? Well, here you go. This is, this is exactly what everyone has been asking for. 
I want a five-star defensive end. Here you go. Boom. Welcome. So, yeah, uh, this is definitely some better help, if you will, for Larry Johnson, too, because he's not going to have to hear it as much about the recruiting cycle when you land a guy like Houston. So, gigantic day all around for Ohio State. Yeah, I've heard people wonder because he's already 6'3", 265. Is he really going to come off the edge? I remember saying the same thing about JT Tumolo Al. Is he 6'4"? He's 275 already in high school. He's actually trimmed down a little bit since then, which is funny. Is he really – I thought he'll be a three-tech. But, no, I think Houston is, has that explosiveness. And if you can play there, 265, all the better. Um, I, I love it, man. I think he will stay on the edge. I think so, too. I don't think they're recruiting him to move him inside. And just looking at the high school sizes, it's not like it was 20 years ago where these kids didn't have access to a lot of this nutrition stuff early on. I mean – my son right now is at a training facility, training with one of OSU's former strength coaches right now. He's 12 years old. And that's the sort of training these kids get at these ages is they're more and more younger they are, more advanced to be able to grow at an earlier age. And the end of the day, that's just common now. So guess what? Yes. Is he already that big? Absolutely. Is he going to necessarily end up 300 pounds? I don't really see that. I think he stays on the edge. Everything I've seen about him makes it look like he's going to translate. Yeah, we have a question uh, on YouTube from Adam, wondering exactly what we were just talking about right there. Um, yeah, I, I do think he's going to stay on the edge. Is there a chance he could be like a Draymond Jones? Perhaps. But I think he's going to stay on the edge for all the reasons we just discussed. Yeah. Um, oh, well, thank you very much for the shout-out, Daniel. Appreciate that on YouTube. Um, all right. Um, I want one more thing about Edric Houston. So um, this could also – there's, as we all know, momentum is in recruiting is huge. If there is a prospect out there that maybe is on the fence and wants to join, like, you know, couldn't really pick between Ohio State, maybe somebody else. This could be the thing that pushes Ohio State over the top if there's a tie out there because kids want to play on a winner. You know what they say, game knows game, right? Uh, this is every sort of sport. It doesn't matter what it is. People want to be on the best possible team where they can develop the most and, and win stuff. And at a place like Ohio State, what are they right now? Second in the national recruiting rankings. They the, the the class is getting better and better on the defensive side of the football. And when you're bringing in a lot of these high-end guys, the, this is the sort of thing where, guess what? They want to play together. We've seen this in the past with, with recruiting classes where they go, hey, look who they got coming in now. And that's a group that I can see myself playing with. I mean, these kids are selecting who, they, who they're going to be their teammates, their friends for the next couple of years. Who are these guys that they're going to compete with in practice? All that factors in, but when you have a great class, when you're building an elite class at the level that Ohio State competes at, it gives these kids so much confidence. I can tell you right now, if you're a player who's deciding between Ohio State and, say, Michigan, and Michigan's recruiting is kind of dipping and they're looking like they're going to finish in the mid-teens, you look at it from a perspective of, oh, no, Michigan's won the last year or two and maybe they're the better program, you probably don't. You look at it going, look at all the talent that's coming in with me compared to here. So if I go to Ohio State, I'm coming in with a loaded class that is going to be in two years when I get on the field making a difference. Whereas if I go there, maybe I have a quicker route to the field because there's not as much talent, but I'm not as likely to win things. And these kids want to win. There's, there's three things that they want in college. One, they want to get to the league. That's always the number one, right? Two, they're worried about, am I going to win a natty? Am I going to move forward in a championship setting? And then three, they worry about degrees and the rest of the life stuff, right? That's what they're looking for, these elite kids. Nobody, at least very rarely, do kids decide that they're going to go to a second-rate school and be happy going seven and five. And when you see that, it's usually the kids that are getting a little bit too overly influenced by the NIL money up front. 
which is what those schools have to do when they're not a place like Ohio State that's in the mix every year for the big prize. That simple. All right, switching gears, quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? That's for sure. I'm not sure if I can get there anymore, backs. I still am sticking with – I'm curious to get your take on what Ryan Day said the other day and your translation. My translation is – I think McCord's going to take the first snap when they trot out there against Indiana. Maybe not. Um, but I now feel like Devin Brown at some point, maybe very early in the season, is going to be the guy. There's just too much smoke from people I trust. Um, and then hearing what Ryan Day said, I'm like, man, that's all. everything he says sounds like maybe he's going to give Kyle McCord the first start, but feels like to me he prefers Devin Brown. That's, a, that's just my take on it. What's yours? I think if Devin Brown wasn't making a gigantic move and making it really hard for the coaches to say no to him, they would – they would have defaulted to McCord already. Uh, it's that simple, right? I do agree with you. I think McCord's going to take the first snap. I think that's Ryan Day looking from a big picture perspective at the program and saying, hey, if I bring in an elite quarterback and he does everything right, I'm going to give him a shot. But if he gets overtaken, then so be it, right? At the end of the day, though, I think everybody expected us to walk into this and that McCord was going to end up being the guy. It just looked like it was his turn. He'd been here the longest. He should know the system well. He uh, he didn't miss half a spring like Devin Brown did with an injury. The fact that this is a dead nuts tie in their eyes says a lot about how much Devin Brown has moved up the chart and how much McCord maybe hasn't elevated himself to where they want to get him to. The flip side of this is um, I think we have three games here where you can do this, right? If the first game was Notre Dame, they have to make a much harder decision much earlier than they want to. But right now, who cares? You're playing Western Kentucky. If you don't beat Indiana by four touchdowns and Western Kentucky by 50 points, like something's wrong. You're Ohio State. Um, but I'll throw this back at you, Dave. Are we making almost too much of this battle? And the reason I say that is, when was the last time we didn't have a good quarterback under Ryan Day? Like the worst quarterback year we had under Ryan Day since he came here, even as a position coach, was JT Barrett's senior year, right? I mean, that's the worst of the options that we've seen. So I'm really not that worried, if you will, because we've been so plug-and-play with elite quarterbacks that one of these guys is going to end up panning out being really good. Whichever one it is, it may not almost make a gigantic difference, It may, it, but it may be a difference between, hey, Ohio State's still going to win 11 games or 10 games or whatever, and taking that next step and beating Michigan, winning the Big Ten, winning the Natty. And I think that's what they're looking at here. So, yeah, use these first three games as a preseason. That's how we should be doing it. Because guess what? If Ohio State's even close in any of these games, we're in trouble regardless. Yeah, I agree 100%. And then, you know, Ryan Day can say to Kyle McCord, like, I gave you every chance and, you know, Devin, frankly, outplayed you during camp, even though they said they took the straw poll and it was basically even. That means it wasn't even. He said it was almost even. And I'm hearing that actually the straw poll was in the favor of Devin Brown. That's what I was told by a source that I trust very much, that yes, there were people that voted for Kyle McCord, um, but it wasn't maybe as close as, as Coach Day alluded to. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see. I feel like also, you know, there is the logic out there that if, if it really is tied, why not go with a younger guy, right? Because he's had – she. In, in theory, you know, I mean, he's got more time to develop. He's got a higher ceiling, you could argue. And I, I kind of buy into that. If it's actually tied, go with the younger guy and the more mobile guy. And the more mobile guy. That's, the, I think, the other side of it.
if McCord was older, a bit more mobile, I think you'd have more lines towards McCord, but we're breaking in two new tackles this year as well. I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, think about it. If you're breaking in two tackles, what are you going to end up doing? We might be playing two tight ends more often. And I talked about this in the bucket on Sunday. Think about it. If you're not sure of whether Simmons or Fryer is going to be able to hold up on their own on the edge, then you bring in a two tight end set. You have one guy help blocking on whoever's struggling sides. And then if your routes, the only three guys that go out are Cade Stover and Marvin and, and Mecca Buka, then you're not worried about going to fourth and fifth reads at that point, right? You're going to drop back. You're going to look at your two big guns if they're covered. It's not a big deal if Brown takes off because there's not that many options left, right? Whereas if you're comfortable with your line and you're at a guy who's maybe not as mobile and they can go through a third, fourth, fifth progression, then maybe that's something you're looking for more. But right now, if you're Ohio State's coaching staff and you're looking at what the line is, which is hopefully going to be good, but you maybe don't trust it fully yet, having a mobile guy who doesn't need to go beyond his third read isn't a bad thing. It's going to allow you to pick up some extra yardage that's probably going to be sitting there in some of these situations. So I agree with you. The longer this drags out, you know, Josh Perry was right. The longer this drags out, the more this looks like it's going to be set up for Brown to take the job. And I won't be surprised whatsoever if maybe the first game or two it splits and then the game before Notre Dame, whoever wins the job. And if I had to put, you know, gun to my head, make a pick, it's Brown right now. That guy will probably play the last game before Notre Dame is my guess. And I do have a gut feeling they're going to need both of them. Somebody's going to get banged up. Maybe someone's not effective. I don't know. I just have a gut feeling they're going to need both of them. Maybe they'll need all three. When's the last time they had a third-string quarterback that wore the number 12 that they needed? Oh, I, I can think of one. Now, this year's third-string quarterback might be 13 in Gebbia, but I think really it would be, if they needed one, would be Lincoln Keenholz. But we'll see what happens. I tell you what, whoever is the quarterback, they're going to be throwing the ball to Carnell Tate sometimes. And I've been saying all offseason, it's like, listen, yeah, Carnell Tate, from what I've seen, absolutely could play and be effective as a true freshman if needed. But is he really going to get the chance? Because Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't. You know, two years ago, he was absolutely ready until the Rose Bowl. And as we know, that's only because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sat out that game. But the difference from two years ago is Marvin had three guys ahead of him. You know, Emeka had three guys ahead of him that were for future first-round picks. You know, they had Jackson Smith and Jigba and the aforementioned Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Carnell Tate only has two first-round picks ahead of him. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka are not coming off that field, but Julian Fleming might be coming off that field. Sometimes I think he's going to play. And I thought Julian had a really good year last year, Bax. But we met with Coach Hartline yesterday after practice. He said, quote, Carnell Tate is going to play very meaningful reps this year. He's not going to play mop-up duty. He's going to be out there. That tells me there's a really good battle for that number three wide receiver position. And at the very least, they're going to rotate a little bit. Um, I like it. I mean, Carnell Tate balled out in the spring. This kid's been through some things I can't even imagine. And then he's just amped it up during camp. I love it. He's going to be the future stud receiver here. Yeah, and here's the other thing. What do we just say? If there's a tie between an older guy and a younger guy, you go with the younger guy because of the runway. Fleming's been here for – this is his fourth year now, I believe. And guess what? This is Carnell Tate's first year, right? He hasn't even – I think he, he enrolled early, but like that was about all we've seen of him. So if it's a tie between a guy who might be in his last year and a guy who's in his first year, you let the younger guy play. I mean – What's the old Cooper saying? If they're going to bite, they're going to bite as a pup, right? I mean, he, Carnell Tate is doing more than biting. He's straight up feasting at this point. I don't know how you keep him off the field in three and four wide receiver sets because once you have your two big guns that are out there, guess what? Tate's probably earned it. And honestly, 
when we talk about the level of, of that of football that Ohio State plays and how high the talent level is across the board there, if you don't play the best players regardless of age, it's eventually going to come back and bite you. So seeing a guy like Carnell Tate go out and play as a true freshman, all Brian Hartline has to do is point at that and go, guys, yeah, I have a ton of elite wide receiver talent in my room right now. Not everyone's going to play. But if you are good enough, see Carnell Tate because he's playing right away. Every time you see these younger guys go out and play in a program that has stacked so much talent on the offensive side of the ball over these years, all it does is help you in recruiting because you have tangible things you can point at the kids and go, yeah, you can talk about playing younger guys. We're living it. So I expect Carnell Tate to go out and play a lot this year. And I think he's probably going to end up being the number three receiver more often than not this season. And yeah, you know, as a, a, a listener viewer just pointed out, Mello pointed out that Marvin said last night that actually Carnell Tate's not just ahead of where Marvin was as a true freshman. Marvin said Carnell Tate's ahead of where Marvin was last year. I, I think that's Marvin maybe, you know, being a little too humble. I tell you what, if Carnell Tate is a true freshman is better than Marvin Harrison was as a sophomore, look out. Because you know who else is going to be better than Marvin Harrison as a sophomore? Marvin Harrison is a junior. And I yeah. I don't know how much there is to to improve, but my gosh, this receiving core is so good. We don't even talk that much about Emeka Bukan. He's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. Forgotten man. I would argue that like people talk about Emeka Buka less than any other first round prospect in the country this year because right. everybody, ooh, Marvin Harrison, ooh, Marvin Harrison. They're the top two receivers this year in the draft. I don't even know who the third guy would be at this point, right? This is like straight up. An oversight in a lot of ways. We sh- we should literally have like the Emeka Buke appreciation minute on every episode that we do of this show because nobody's talking about him. He's just going about his business, going, "Yeah, yeah, Marv's really good. I'm going to go catch another 1,200 yards worth of balls this year, <laughs> right?" Like, I mean, the guy's going to go in the top 20, and we don't hardly talk about him because we're like, "Well, Marv's like a potential number one pick, and look at all the young talent." Oh yeah, there and there's double E. He's really good. He's gone after this year, guys. So appreciate him while we have him. Let's be real blunt about it, Mecca Buka. Max and I are going to talk more Ohio State football in just a moment, but I want to tell you guys about our other sponsor, AG1. AG1, we're very happy to be partners with them. AG1 is a daily nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. If you're like me, you're not always the healthiest of eaters. Using a nutritional supplement can go a long way, and AG1 is the best product in the field. It has everything you need so it can replace your multivitamin, probiotics or whatever else i've started using the product i have noticed a spike in my energy i just feel better overall i'll tell you i was a little skeptical of the taste of the drink before i tried it ag1 comes as a green powder and you mix it with water but it tastes good so they definitely have a customer customer and me and i recommend it to you guys and because of the Bucknuts morning five you can get a great deal here um, go to ag1.com slash bucknuts and you can get some free stuff so if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash bucknuts. That's drinkag1.com slash bucknuts. Check it out. All right, back to football. Backs, tell you what, another thing that I was excited about was hearing Jim Knowles on Monday after we spoke with Ryan Day talk about the safeties. I love how he's just so honest. Somebody was like, so as, uh, as my friend Dan Hope from 11 Warriors actually asked him, um, so is Sonny and Jihad like locked down the, the safety job, the other two safety jobs? He goes, Sonny has. <laughs> Sonny has. 
He's like, we're going to keep him on the field as much as we can. And then somebody else was like, is he, is he tight? So just to be clear, is he the slot safety? And, and Knowles was like, yeah, you know, slot, nickel, Sam, strike. He's like, he can do a little bit of everything. I love it, man. Six four two thirty. This is exactly what we wanted. Put him out there. Swiss Army knife. Let's go. They're making up positions at this point for Sonny Styles. Oh, yeah. We're going to play him this week, and we're going to put him in the, the spade. What the hell is a spade? Uh, it's a Sonny Styles position this week. Next week will be like, you know, the flipper or something. They're going to keep coming up with football terms for guy who's really good and really fast and tackles really well. Like, it's, <laughs> Sonny Styles is at the end of this year, he's going to be the top of all those like freak lists. Like, there's no safety of his size in the country that can run the way he can. He's a unicorn. So, yes, it's absolutely fantastic. He's one that we've probably talked about ad nauseum to the point that people are probably expecting him to go out there and, you know, he like that uh, Dead Schembechler song, you know, Ted Ginn did everything. Sonny Styles does everything. It's the same thing that we're seeing out there. But the reality is he's such a special athlete and he should probably be a true freshman this year. Remember, he classified up and you almost never see that in football. Almost never. You see in basketball sometimes, guys will classify up a year. Sonny Styles classified up a year in football and at the end of last year when he should have been like going to prom or going to like homecoming or something. He was busy, you know, playing against Georgia in a national semifinal. So this is a guy who, uh, needless to say, the expectation level for Sonny Styles is through the roof. Um, but the safety position is an interesting one right now because I think we all expected that Jihad Carter was going to come in. And I still think he's, he's a really, really good player, but he's getting a little bit of a push right now. That tells you maybe we have a little more depth of that position than we did last year. All right, real quick. Other true freshmen that are going to play. We know Carnell Tate's going to play. Sounds like, I mean, doesn't sound like. Ryan Day said Luke Montgomery is going to play football this year. He's on the two deep. He's actually pushing Josh Fryer for the starting right tackle job. I think Josh Fryer is going to be a good right tackle. Malik Hartford's the other one that's really coming on backs. He's <laughs> battling with Jahad Carter and Josh Proctor for the final starting safety spot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Carnell Tate, Luke Montgomery, Malik Hartford. Those look like the three main true freshmen that are going to play this year. Yeah, they look like it to me, too, right now. I, I think they're the key guys. And if you, Luke Montgomery, if you look at him, he's essentially the number three tackle at this point. That's kind of what we're looking at, um, is that, you know, they're the guys that uh, are going to be the ones on the field. But with Luke Montgomery, it's actually a really good sign that he's as good as we think he is um, based on his recruiting ranking, because when he's coming in here, he's already vaulting over a bunch of guys. So that's a good thing and how good Luke Montgomery is. It's also sort of exposing a little bit some of the guys that have been here that Montgomery's already passed and he hasn't even gone through a full fall camp yet. So, you know, that's a thought process you have to look at too. But Malik Hartford is one of those names that everybody you talk to, it's Malik Hartford, Malik Hartford, Malik Hartford. He's the reason right now that they can't straight up say that Jahad Carter, who was an all ACC player last year at Syracuse, isn't the clear starter. It's because Hartford's given so much of a push at that position. So he's been really well. Um, I'm, I definitely think he's going to play. We talked about Carnell Tate. He's another one that's definitely going to play. I'm curious to see how the tight ends shake out too. Cause remember that's a position where some people get banged up, right? You have three guys that are ahead of Thurman right now, but guess what? You never know. And that's one I think might make it onto the field at some point this year too, just based on the nature of the position and what we've seen from some of these guys with injuries in the past. Good point. Yeah. Bennett Christian's out for the year. Royer's a little banged up right now. I, I, yeah. There's no way Jelani Thurman's going to redshirt. Great stuff mm -hmm. out of Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Really appreciate you guys getting up early with us this morning. Very early edition of the Bucknuts Morning 5. Thanks again to Bax. 
Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter used to be that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus